the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So what are we going to do in a uh, presidential election uh, where most people uh, don't want Joe Biden or Donald Trump to run again? Uh, People are um, eh, meh, bored with the choices. Democrats don't have alternative choices. Uh, The Kamala choice would be worse. The Bernie choice would be worse. The Hillary choice would be worse. Gavin Newsom, as I've said before, please let the Democratic nominee be Gavin Newsom. Please. Now, this is contingent upon the Republicans being smart enough to hold a weekly press conference in the heart of L.A., San Francisco, cities that Gavin Newsom has ruined, in a state Gavin Newsom has ruined. Just show his record. See, the Democrats think Trump will be easy to beat. They're not wrong about that. He'll be easier to beat. I don't think it'll be easy because, and this is what Trump has to do, he has to make the election, if it is him versus Biden, America under Trump, America under Biden, right? How is the economy under Trump? How's the economy under Biden? What were gas prices under Trump? What were the gas prices under Biden? How's the international situation looking? Everything all peaceful and calm, no wars? Now, that was the way it was under Donald Trump, not the way it was under Joe Biden. Of course, you know, of course, under Trump, the negative is orange man bad and the mean tweets. Uh, with Joe Biden, he's uh, comatose and camping out uh, in his basement or the White House equivalent. Uh, a Yahoo News YouGov poll finds a 38 percent plurality, which means a majority of respondents saying they are exhausted over the idea of a Biden-Trump presidential race rematch. This worries me because if people are fatigued with the choices, what will it come down to? It will come down to which side gets out their vote better. Which side gets out its vote better? Which side does early voting better? Which side has the college campuses where you have thousands of likely Democratic voters in one place where you can go and vote at the wherever, bus them to the polls, whatever. Uh, So uh, this is what worries me about a Biden-Trump rematch. And for someone else to win the Republican nomination other than Donald Trump, which would, in my view, sorry about it, but I got to tell you the truth, improve the chances of Republicans winning, the takedown of Donald Trump, within the party confines of the primary, is going to be a very delicate, ticklish situation to navigate. And I've always thought that it was going to require basically a hitman doing the work of whoever you really want to win the nomination, an attack dog of sorts, who's going to have to take on Donald Trump but keep clean the person who would benefit from Donald Trump being 
criticized, disparaged, diminished in a Republican primary. In other words, I don't think Ron DeSantis can be the, here's the important word, chief, chief attack dog, singular attack dog. I think that has to be done by either A, someone else, or it has to be spread out across the stage. There are those who say that the first Republican presidential debate in Chicago in August will be a make-or-break debate for Ron DeSantis because he will be attacked by Donald Trump. He's already being attacked by Trump's political action committee, Make America Great Again, which I think is stupid to break the 11th commandment of Ronald Reagan, which is don't attack another Republican. But DeSantis can't be alone on that stage that night. Does Tim Scott attack Donald Trump? Mm, Don't really see that in character. Nikki Haley? eh, Maybe. I think Nikki Haley's hoping Trump will get rid of the other higher-profile candidates, Scott and Ron DeSantis, and she'll just kind of quietly, silently, like slide around 45 uh, to become 47. Maybe eventually she'll have to take him on, but not the first debate. Well, while DeSantis is not in the race, neither is this guy, but this guy is uh, Governor Chris Sununu of New Hampshire. And he sounds to me like he's ready to play the role of attack dog. Here he is on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, baring his teeth. Donald Trump is a loser. He has not just lost once. He lost us in uh, our House seats in 2018. He lost everything in 20. We should have 54 U.S. senators right now. We don't because of his message. So Donald Trump is positioning himself to be a four-time loser uh, in 2024. We need candidates that can win. Donald Trump is a wow. We need candidates who can win. Donald Trump is a loser. And he went through the litany. 2018 midterms, 2020 presidential election, 2022 midterms. He's not wrong. And Trump, above all things, hates losing. The whole election denial effort was built around, gained steam from his visceral hatred of losing. I don't like losing either. I didn't like losing that presidential election. Did I think there were some strange things that went on in that presidential election? Yes. Can Republicans mention them? Unfortunately, no. It's not fair. I didn't say it was fair. I said you can't mention them. You can't. You cannot mention the fact that the 2020 election was any of these words. Stolen, suspicious. You can't mention it. Not because it's not true. I think it very well might be true. I find it highly suspicious that in Pennsylvania they counted votes after their state law says you can't count votes. I find a lot of things that went on in Georgia suspicious, a lot of things that went on in Arizona suspicious, Wisconsin suspicious, Michigan suspicious. The point is that argument has reached a point, not of diminishing returns, of negative returns. People don't want to hear it. Is Carrie Lake the governor of Arizona? No, she is not. Why is she not the governor of Arizona? Well, (laughs) because the person she was running against was the former Secretary of State and probably fudged the voting process on the day of the election. But she's chiefly not the governor of Arizona, Carrie Lake, because she kept talking about an election that she said was stolen from President Trump. And it's just a fact that people are tired of that narrative. I know. Don't call me and tell me how bogus it is that the Democrats said the night of the election 
was the most secure election in history. I know that's a lie. I know they have no way of knowing that's a lie. I get it. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying let's engage in arguments that can pay dividends for our side. The election denialism argument, accusation, even an effort to prove it will not pay dividends. It will not pay dividends, so stay away from it. It's like an addiction that we cannot break. Don't go back to election denialism. Trump cannot go back to it. Trump has got to make, if he's the nominee, the argument about Biden, the record of America, the problems of America, crime in the cities, this, that, the other, the border. I mean, he's got no shortage of places where you can not just disparage, but expose Joe Biden's ineptitude. And now, the Democratic National Committee says that they will not host or hold or allow any Democratic debates. So RFK Jr., who declared he's going to run for president last week, will not get the chance on stage to debate Joe Biden about COVID or anything, which the Democrats think, ah, smart move. We'll keep Joe Biden off the stage. RFK will never lay a glove on him. Gavin Newsom won't dare even run if he can't get on stage and debate Joe Biden. I think this is a mistake by the Democrats because it will ingrain a false sense of security that, oh, sure, Joe Biden can handle this. Joe Biden can debate. People don't like it when people don't debate. They will want to know why Joe Biden will not debate. Even candidates as minimally significant as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and the wacky, crazy lady Marianne Williamson, if those are the only announced Democratic candidates. And should Biden try to hide from Trump, DeSantis, or any other Republican nominee, that will hurt him. That will hurt him. I don't know that it'll hurt him a ton, not with his base, not with his freak college voters who just want to indiscriminately murder babies, but it'll hurt him with independence. And that's who decides elections. So if you want to know whether you're favored by the uh, left, a pretty good indicator is if you are uh, treated favorably by the New York Times or 60 Minutes. Uh, 60 Minutes did a story last night on Ray Epps. Congratulations, 60 Minutes finally found a January 6th protester that they love. Uh, Ray Ray Epps, of course, is the guy who's on video saying, we need to go into the Capitol, into the Capitol. Okay. Tucker Carlson has... uh, spotlighted Ray Epps a lot over the past few years, and Ray Epps does not like it. He does not like it at all. And uh, 60 Minutes doesn't like it. Uh, But unfortunately for Ray Epps, he is on video. We may get to some of the Ray Epps video, but they hate Tucker Carlson on the left. And I, I will admit Tucker sometimes goes over the top, a little bit too far. But I understand that because I sometimes go a little too far. And the reason I go a little too far is because I'm so angered by the culture and where we are and what people say is true that I know is not true. Uh, Nobody's trying to ban me yet. They haven't walked me out of here in handcuffs yet. Biden wins again. Probably happen. Maybe happen. AOC, though, the girl who told us that, remember when Trump was indicted, no one is above the law. No one is above the law. Here's AOC, uh, very big on the law, 
very big on making sure the law is evenly applied. Here she is uh, on MSNBC with Jen Psaki talking about the need to uh, ban Tucker Carlson. Federal regulation in terms of what's allowed on air and what isn't. And when you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence. Very clearly incitement of violence. And that is the line that I think we have to uh, be willing to contend with. Federal. Mm. Uh, I don't need to play the montage for you, do I? Of all the people on liberal media outlets saying that the fiery riots in the background were mostly peaceful. Chris Cuomo saying, show me where it says. Protests have to be peaceful. Tucker Carlson's an important voice, and he had some important things to say over the weekend. He gave the 50th Anniversary Heritage Foundation address. Uh, This is a long cut. It's an important cut because it frames the argument through the prism of truth and faith. Here's Tucker Carlson. It might be time to start to reassess the terms we use to to describe what we're watching. So when I started at Heritage, the presumption was, and this is a very Anglo-American assumption, that the debates we're having are kind of rational debates about the way to get to mutually agreed upon outcomes. And so we write our papers, and they write their papers, and may the best papers win. I, I, I don't think that's what we're watching now at all. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. I think that's completely wrong. And I've come to this conclusion, not, and I should say at the outset, I'm an Episcopalian, so don't take any theological advice from me, because I don't have any. It's not even a Christian religion at this point. Um, I say with shame. But I'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on. There is no way to assess, say, the transgenderist movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it at all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? What does to do with politics? What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? We arguing for that? I don't, I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. But the weight of the government and uh, you know, a lot of corporate interests are behind that. Well, what is that? If you say, well, you know, I think abortion is always bad. Well, I think sometimes it's necessary. That's a debate I'm familiar with. But if you're telling me that abortion is a positive good, what are you saying? Well, you're arguing for child sacrifice, obviously. It's not about like, oh, a teen, you know, a teen girl gets pregnant, and what do we do about that, and victims of rape. I, you know, I get it. But when the Treasury Secretary stands up and says, you know what you can do to help the economy get an abortion? None of this makes sense in conventional political terms. When people or crowds of people or the largest crowd of people at all, which is the federal government, decide that the goal is to destroy things, destruction for its own sake. Hey, let's tear it down. What you're watching is not a political movement. It's evil. I'll put it in non-political, uh, or non, rather non-specific theological terms, and just say, if you want to know what's evil and what's good, what are the characteristics of those? Good is characterized by order, calmness, tranquility, peace, whatever you want to call it, lack of conflict, cleanliness, and evil is characterized by their opposites. Violence, hate, disorder, division, disorganization, and filth. So if 
you are all in on the things that produce the latter basket of outcomes, what you're really advocating for is evil. That's just true. I'm not calling for a religious war, far from it. I'm merely calling for an acknowledgement of what we're watching, which is not what, and I'm not, certainly not backing the Republican Party. I mean, ugh. I'm, I'm just noting what's super obvious. Like those of us who are in our mid-50s are caught in the past in the way that we think about this. One side's like, no, no, you know, I've got this idea and we've got this idea and let's have a debate about our ideas. They don't want a debate. Those ideas won't produce outcomes that any rational person would want under any circumstances. Those are manifestations of some larger force acting upon us. It's just so obvious. It's completely obvious. And I think two things. One, we should say that and stop engaging in these totally fraudulent debates where we are using the terms that we used in 1991 when I started at Heritage as if maybe, you know, I could just win the debate if I marshaled more facts. I've tried that, doesn't work. And two, maybe we should all take just like 10 minutes a day to say a prayer about it. I'm serious, like why not? And I'm saying that to you, not as some kind of evangelist, I'm literally saying that to you as an Episcopalian. The Samaritans of our time. And even I have concluded, it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future. And I hope you will. That's a powerful address because he shows that if we continue to try to fight on merit, they're not interested in merit and they can't win the argument via merit. Why do I know they can't win the argument on merit? Because what they're saying to win the argument it's all a lie. I mean, it's all totally a lie. It all contradicts each other, right? I mean, in one hand, they will tell you that, uh, you know, children need to be uh, opened up to all these kinds of new vistas and all this kind of stuff. And then they'll say, well, uh, no, but you can't present a faith argument in school. We'll fight endeavors like LifeWise Academy. We don't want kids to be uh, educated in private schools. It's got to be in the public schools. They do everything they can to stand in the way of conservatives exposing kids to ideas. They only want them to be exposed to radical ideas, to ideas that five minutes ago everybody would agree were damaging to kids, like letting a kindergartner watch a man dressed up as a woman cavorting around, thrusting around as a drag queen. Like that's now good when for the whole of time it was bad. We got to sexualize the kids now. We got to sterilize the kids now? Uh, No. The arguments that they make are untrue, which means their arguments are lies because no one tries to win an argument with lies when they have the truth on their side. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.